Welcome to episode 24 of Crime Time for Monday, July 16th on FayObserver.com, featuring Fayetteville Observer Police and Crime Reporter Nancy McClary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. When we think of firefighters, both paid and those who volunteer, we think of public servants, first responders who help in a time of need. However, the story that broke out of Robeson County on Tuesday, July 10th was stunning. The Robeson County Sheriff's Office charged 10 volunteer firefighters with setting 13 fires in the Fairmont area over a two-year period. The group included a former police officer and an employee at a state prison. Um, It might be uh, worth mentioning that the state prison employee had actually been um, charged a few years back in 2012 with setting fires while he was working for another fire department down there. Yes. Um, But that's um, that's with the state prison person. And all of these are volunteer firefighters with the Fairmont Rural, 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 I can't say. It is a tough word. Rural or Orem departments. They face a combined 90 charges of arson, conspiracy, and setting fire to grass, brush, or woods, according to the sheriff's office. And you know, Nancy, we, we know the end result. The arrests have been made. But, but how did all this come about? What made investigators decide to look closer at some of these fires in Robeson County? Robeson County Sheriff... Kenneth Seeley said that his department had noticed several grass fires, abandoned structures that were burned, and woods fires in the past 18 months. That got investigators looking into all of the fires, and the end result came on July 10th. The arrest capped a year-long investigation that involved the Sheriff's Office, the State Bureau of Investigation, the North Carolina Forestry Service, and the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Unfortunately, no injuries were reported in any of these fires. The case leads to the obvious question, uh, which is why I'm here, is uh, why? Why did these 10 volunteer firefighters allegedly intentionally start 13 fires? Well, Sonny, no official reason has been given. Um, There's been speculation the fires were intentionally set by the firefighters for money or maybe to collect some insurance money. Um, That they would not get any they don't get paid that much for what they do expenses um and insurance you can only collect if it's your property and if you burn your own property and collect insurance that's called fraud yes that's not good um uh but but it's probably for the thrill of fighting a fire we hear from time to time on the news about firefighters being arrested for intentionally starting a fire so they can be part of the unit that puts it out. But again, that's all speculation. It will come out in court. Our law enforcement officials say uh, there may be more arrests in the future. That's why officials are not saying much about the investigation. What about the Fairmont Rural and Orem Fire Departments now? Are those folks uh, in those communities just without fire protection? No, absolutely not. State Fire Marshal Mike Causey and Chief State Fire Marshal Brian Taylor 
made it clear after the arrests were announced that the cases involved the individuals and not the departments. The status of the Fairmont Rural and Orem departments have not been affected, and both are still in operation. Well, that's good to know, and we'll see as this story moves along in the coming months uh, exactly what comes of it. Well, our next story, Nancy, you're going to have to listen closely out there, follow along. Two men have been jailed in Fayetteville and are awaiting extradition to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where first-degree murder charges will be filed against them in the death of a Fayetteville man there last week. The deceased man had been sought by Fayetteville police in connection with the disappearance of another man from Fayetteville. That man had been missing since March 3rd. Got it? (laughs) A lot of Fayetteville in there. Um, But let's see if we can't break this down a bit. The two men facing the murder charges in Myrtle Beach are Marquis Sean Brown of Fayetteville and Matthew Isaiah Rivera, who was a a soldier stationed on Fort Bragg. The man who was found dead in Myrtle Beach was Mark Allen Verhasselt. He once lived in northern Fayetteville. The Fayetteville man who disappeared is Charles Anthony Fuentes. He was last seen March 3rd leaving Izzy's Sports Bar on Andrews Road with Verhasselt and another man. Well done, Nancy. Now, do authorities believe there's any connection between Fuentes' disappearance and Verhasselt's murder? Fayetteville police say there appears to be no connection. They are still looking for Fuentes. So what happened in Verhasselt's murder in Myrtle Beach? Horry County police say residents of an apartment complex in Myrtle Beach where Verhasselt was shot reported hearing gunfire around 1230 a.m. on Tuesday, July 10th. Shortly before 6 a.m., a man walking through the complex parking lot discovered Verhasselt's body lying on the ground next to the passenger side of a pickup truck. His head was covered in blood. Police said the truck's engine was running and the front driver's side door, along with the rear passenger side door, were open. Any motive known yet? None have been announced by police. Meanwhile, Marquise Brown and Isaiah Rivera are being held in the Cumberland County Jail as of Monday, July 16th, awaiting extradition to South Carolina to face the murder charges. Brown already was in Cumberland County Jail on a drug possession arrest, according to the Fayetteville Police. In our next story, here's one you don't hear every day, Nancy. Jeffrey Thomas Strange of Fayetteville has been charged with first-degree arson after being accused of setting a fire to the Wood Spring Suites Extended Stay Hotel on Cliffdale Road on Saturday, July 14th. What gives here? Well, the Fayetteville Police Department investigators said in court papers that security video that showed that Strange walked into the foyer area of the hotel and propped open the front door. The front desk was closed at the time. The report says that Strange placed charcoal on the counter and sprayed it with lighter fluid. He then casually walked out the front door and, well, he made an obscene gesture. It's called flipping them off to the surveillance camera. Well, who among us hasn't done that? Come on now. Well, not to a surveillance camera. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay. Carrie, what what happened next here? Um, About that time, a small fire can be seen on the counter, smoke filled the room, and the alarms went off and the sprinklers came on. The husband of an on-site employee put the fire out and 
a few minutes later, the report said. However, there was a large amount of damage to the office and first floor. Strange was arrested later that evening on North Riley Road with help from Crime Stoppers tip, which we talk about from time to time. Records show he refused to answer any questions after being arrested. No word yet on a motive. That's a strange story. I knew somebody was going to say that, and I knew it wasn't going to be me. Uh, I did think it. Uh, and, you know, the, well, next time I, the next time I walk by a surveillance camera, well, anyway. <laughs> this next story kind of caught my attention, Nancy. The headline reads, Business owners forfeit more than $750,000 seized from the company. Uh, say what? Well, it involves those darn video sweepstakes. Um, Mukesh P- Patel and Daksaban Patel and their company, Jay's Food Mart in Moore County, forfeited $765,850 that had been seized from them. Um, that's according to the Raleigh Office of the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina. The government said the owners had actually collected $865,805 from video sweepstakes gaming proceeds. A complaint was filed by federal authorities in 2016 alleging that cash taken from the stores was a proceed of illegal gambling. As part of the settlement, the Patels were allowed to keep about $100,000 but had to give up the rest. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Office said an undercover operation revealed that the Patels operated several illegal electronic gaming machines and games of chance at both of their convenience stores, one which was in Southern Pines, another in Aberdeen. You know, this legal debate has gone on for years, Nancy. We've seen it here. Games of chance are unlawful. Games of skill are lawful. The video gaming industry says its machines involve a level of skill. Therefore, they should be legal. Obviously, law enforcement disagrees we've seen several arrests over the years here in cumberland county as well well uh sunny in may don't forget that kiet vo the alleged ringleader of an illegal gambling enterprise in fayetteville pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to conduct an illegal gambling business he is now serving an 18-month sentence in federal prison and is scheduled to be released in October 2019. And, and we see the, the totals here in this case and the other cases we've talked about on Crime Time. It is amazing the amount of money that flows into those operations. Whether you think they should or should not be legal, the, the, the amount of money that comes into those places is just unbelievable. Truly. Well, let's turn to the crime blotter. Nancy, chance to highlight just a couple of stories in the news. Chancellor Johnson III of Fayetteville has been charged with attempted first-degree murder in a shooting that happened Friday, July 13th in the Aaron Hills neighborhood. Rico Lee Taft was shot in the pelvic area. He told investigators that he was inside his home and heard glass breaking on the front porch. When Taft walked outside, police say Johnson was standing at the bottom of the steps and shot him. Johnson reportedly told police that he was going to kill Taft for, quote, hitting on my girl. A cold case to mention. This comes out of Robinson County, where a match in a national fingerprint database led to the arrest of Kevin Thomas Ford of St. Paul's. He has been charged with first-degree murder of a 79-year-old woman in San Diego in 1987. That's 31 years ago. That's the year I started 
at this company. I remember that year, unfortunately. <laughs> that I started at this company. Anyway, let's move on. All right. While reviewing evidence from the crime scene recently, a San Diego investigator discovered a single fingerprint that was discovered on a stove in this woman's kitchen. A check of the fingerprint led to Ford's arrest. It's just another uh, example of the technology that has improved over the years. This, it is. Uh, I doubt this was possible 31 years ago, and and we see we see this all the time. And they also did um, get some DNA samples, mm-hmm. which is advanced things considerably. Yes, it certainly has. Edward Lamont Womble of Carthage was sentenced to a minimum of 32 years, two months, and a maximum of 43 years, eight months, after a jury found him guilty in the rape of a woman in 2015. Womble was convicted on July 6th. The charges were all related to the November 24, 2015 incident. And a St. Paul's man is being sought in the shooting death of a Shannon man during a birthday celebration on July 14th, the Robinson County Sheriff's Office said. A first-degree murder warrant has been issued for 23-year-old Christopher Ryan Locklear, a sheriff's office release said. Deputies responding to a report of shots fired at a home on the 3000 block of Shannon Road found William Jerome Williamson, 34, with a gunshot wound. He, he lived at the residence and was taken to Southeastern Regional Medical Center, where he later died. Now, the Robinson County Sheriff's Office is asking anyone who has information on Locklear's whereabouts to call them at 910-671-3100 or simply call 911. This isn't the first story we've had about a a shooting of some type at a birthday celebration. It's just, uh, you know... I'm not there, so I don't know. But it, but it's amazing how something a birthday celebration mm-hmm. can can uh, end up with this. Well, that's it for episode 24 of Crime Time for Monday, July 16th. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. You can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmcleary. That's two C's in McCleary at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at fo underscore McCleary. And you can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F.O. Sonny Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.